2: this is so number 195 the it's a good thing Corey perry doesn't play for the titans so he can't get drunk and sleep with will levis's mom of so oh now that one right there if you are not also a hockey fan that one might be going completely over your head but as a uh resident of chicago and on a day where. Tonight, on the day we were recording this, the, tonight, the Preds play in Chicago. I'm going to try and go. There's like tickets for like 19 bucks. I think I'm going to go just by myself. Uh, I That is a r- great sode title. Corey Perry was cut by the Blackhawks. There were rumors, rumors that have been dispelled by multiple fronts, but rumors are always fun. And this is the kind of podcast that eats up a good rumor. And this is a good one. There were rumors that on a mom's trip with the Blackhawks, Corey Perry and Connor Bedard, who might be the next Wayne Gretzky. He's at least the next Sidney Crosby. Connor Bedard's mom slept with Corey Perry. There's rumors. That's just rumors. It's allegedly, allegedly. Can't sue us. I'm just it's all rumors. But to me, that is the funniest rumor ever. And Corey Perry was cut from the team. Look, why was he cut from the team? We don't know. People are saying drug and alcohol issues or like uh pills, things like that. I don't know. Things are thrown out there. We don't have a definitive reason, but those were rumors leading up to him eventually getting cut. So if he was a Titan, there's not a doubt he would, it would be Will Levis's mom, at very least Will Levis's sister. Hello. Okay. Corey
1: Perry is,
2: I mean, Predators fans hate
1: the guy because of, you know, just countless dirty hits in the playoffs back when he was with the Sharks, when he was with the Stars. Is there an NFL player? where a rumor like this could pop up and you'd be like, oh, you know, he's kind of a, a POS. I bet, I bet that has some legs. Deshaun Watson. Well, okay.
2: (laughs) Someone who's just universally hated uh, because of I mean, I guess Deshaun Watson's universally hated because of his off the field stuff, a player that is universally hated for his on the field stuff. I mean, uh, what was his name? Perfect for the yeah. Bengals, a number of years ago montez, uh, perfect. montez perfect antonio brown would be a great candidate antonio brown is a great one um uh, yeah there's like there's not a whole lot of guys especially nowadays in the league like guys are just look has the league gotten soft i don't know what people are asking not uh, enough villains not enough villains and oh i've, I've got a great take on quarterback injury should i i'll save that i'll save that for the so more reason this is just the cold open got plenty of so to get to we're going to be talking to our guy mike herndon who you guys know and love we we can't talk to mike herndon on this podcast enough mainly because he loves our podcast more than his own which that to me tells you just how great this podcast is award winning podcast um so uh, oh by the way the uh the so title was brought to you by Corey Slovic at Corey underscore Slovic shout out to Corey Slovic he's uh submitted a so title before uh if you'd like to submit a so title at Titan Up pod on Instagram or on Twitter or at Titan up podcast on Instagram you'd think I'd have that down by now but I I still struggle with that in every so so uh we're gonna talk about just look the, the Titans suck <laughs> all right but we're gonna talk about it and before we do let's first get a word from our friends at relax the back who doesn't suck
1: the Relax the Back team sets out every day to help people in the Nashville area work better, live better, and feel better. If you're like me and you struggle with insomnia and posture issues, this is the place for you. It's a great place to go shopping ahead of Christmas. They've got zero gravity chairs, massage chairs. Uh, they've got a foot massager. They've got wedge pillows if you like to sit and read in bed. They've got it all over at Relax the Back, including Technogel and tempur pillows and mattresses to help maximize your sleep every night so you can wake up fresh and ready to attack the day. Go check them out. They're located at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee, right across from uh, Hillsborough High School. If you go in the shop, you can test everything out. You can sit in the chairs. They've got office chairs. You can lay in the beds, test out the mattresses. But if you can't get there in person, do not worry about it. Do not fret. You can check them out online at stores.relaxaback.com slash Nashville. Get in there and get to feeling better today. But when you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you.
2: And with that said, let's talk Titan.
1: I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bay. And I seen the sunshine since I don't know
2: when. I'm what is up, Toy Mets? Welcome to the Titan Up Podcast. Today is the Henber 6th, 2023. And I hate to do this. You know, last year it happened on December 13th officially. Jack wasn't willing to be at that moment um, with me last season. I did it a little bit earlier than him. But I think this week, this season, him and I have come together. We have finally decided, you know, like two brothers with their ailing father. Jack and I have decided to pull the plug. Pull the plug on the season. Tennessee Titans' 2023 campaign is officially over, and if that's coming from me, the eternal optimist, the glass is always, always half full. And when I say glass, no, it's like one of those Titans tumblers. It is always half full with me. For me to be like, yeah, it's it. That's it. I mean, I there's I'm grasping at straws. If I try to say otherwise, like it is, there is nothing about this season. And with a four and eight record, you, you've kind of hampered yourself. The Titans had to go either undefeated or five out of the last six to even have a shot. If they won on Sunday, they would have been in the hunt, but right now they, they took their boots off. They threw their jacket uh, in the, in the hall closet, they took the ammo out of their gun they they're not even close to being in the hunt uh for the NFL playoffs and it's a tough pill to swallow jack i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but like i think with the way the game started and the emotional roller coaster it was throughout and even still having a chance to win up until the final play i that loss felt like a playoff loss it felt like Uh, I felt like a playoff loss with Mike Malarkey as head coach, knowing, hey, this team is not going to win a Super Bowl. And we kind of knew going into it that the team was not going to win a Super Bowl, but it still hurts. It still stinks to know that your season is over.
1: Yeah, you know, we talked about last week about pulling the plug. You didn't want to, but it was kind of like a situation where, all right, if he doesn't get better overnight, we're going to have to pull it tomorrow. And the Titans, unfortunately, didn't get better overnight. This was a game, though, where the Titans were
2: the better team. The Titans were absolutely the better team on Sunday. Not on paper, not on paper, but playing the game. Yes, you're right. A thousand percent. They played. That was an old fashioned Mike Rabel game. That was a, a a game that the Titans were known for doing the like coming out of the gates, firing on all cylinders, being like, Oh, damn, the Titans are running with this Colts team that is very clearly better than them on paper. That was how that was what we've grown accustomed to in this Mike Rabel era of like, oh damn, like they're playing well. Un- but unfortunately, unlike every other. Game in the Mike Vrabel era, the Titans weren't able to kind of, uh, pull out the W like it was like four quarters together. Those were the types of games that the Titans used to win. And now they're not even winning those types of games anymore. And it's, it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, you know, Derrick Henry got going early. It was started to de-hember. so uh, hember you know, it, it had Ooh. everyone fired up and feeling some type of way. He goes for over a hundred yards and two touchdowns on the day, almost five yards of carry. And Will Levis wasn't accurate, but he was making enough plays to get the job done. It just all fell apart with special teams. Yeah, that's that's where that's where a lot of today's show was probably going to be spent. And you know, Craig Ackerman had there hasn't really been a great season with him as. In six years as a special team coordinator, and you know, yeah, often I was talking, I was talking to our friend Luke Worsham about Luke all of
2: Worsham. Luke Worsham, Luke, Luke, Luke Worsham. Worsham, Luke Worsham, Luke Worsham.
1: He made a great point. He said, "Average seems to slip through the cracks with Mike Vrabel," and that's what the- that's how the special teams has been over the last six seasons. It's been average at best. At I don't best. know how much credit you can give for. You can you can give Craig Ackerman for signing Nick Folk and drafting Ryan or excuse me signing Ryan Stonehouse as a UDFA because he led you know he set the record for college punting and Nick Folk has been automatic for the most part this year other than missing an extra point a lot of people by the way which which surprised me a lot of people were quick to blame Ryan Tannehill on the hold I thought the hold looked okay I know it wasn't perfect yeah
2: no but you can't if, if you're it, one of those people. Like, and, and look, I get it. It's muscle memory. You're used to blaming Ryan Tannehill for things. There is no fault at all for Ryan Tannehill on trying to hold a field goal for his first field goal since what college? Yeah. Like, like what, that is a long ass time. He's been in the league for a minute and you're going to get on him for being called upon and doing something that he hasn't practiced in over a decade.
1: Yeah, and, and Nick Folk is gonna Nick Folk probably tell you, no matter how that ball's held, he's gotta make the extra point, right? It's an extra point at the end of the day. This isn't a 45 yard field goal we're talking about.
2: Right. And laces weren't in, like it wasn't like a terrible the laces, hole.
1: laces were off to the side. Nobody spun off it because the, the, the ball yeah. the laces were initially out and he did spin it a little bit to help help his cause right. a little. But yeah. you know, you're this is this is you're not gonna blame Nick Folk for hitting a bad punt, right? Because he right. he hasn't punted in sixteen. Years.
2: Exactly, exactly. So like, you can't blame that, Ryan
1: Tannehill for a bad I, hold. He's was the, a position that, he was unfamiliar with in an emergency situation. And he, he you know, he, it wasn't perfect, but it, he also didn't fumble the snap. It wasn't a Tony Romo situation.
2: That's exactly why I was so frustrated with Craig Ackerman. Like, like they, they want the Titans went into crisis mode, which, which happens in the NFL from week to week. You have to expect it. And the Titans felt like they were scrambling. Um, Full disclosure, uh Mike Herndon is uh is joining us. And um we're we decided to go ahead and start the podcast uh with without Mike, but Mike is here now. Jack, should we bring him in? Should we make him wait a little bit? Yeah, let's bring him more? in. We're already
1: kind of on a roll here. Let's let's okay. Let's, we're
2: we're on a roll. We're just gonna bring him right into this conversation that we're having. Um there he is. There he is. Mike Herndon in the flesh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh Mike. We are recording, and we already are recording. We're kind of just rolling, and we're bringing you into this conversation that we are having okay. uh, for the listening audience. Of course, he is wearing burnt orange with a Texas Longhorns hat. He is probably <laughs> so insufferable to begin with. Um, the fact that his team somehow not only got into the playoffs, but got a three seed out of this whole thing is kind of being overlooked uh, and everything. But we'll get into all of that. That's 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 for the the Longhorn up. Longhorn Down podcast that Jack and I host. Um, <laughs> J- uh, Mike Herndon, uh a guy who we had to send the uh, the Zoom link to twice on two different email accounts, which doesn't help. The case, case of being a drug dealer uh, through and through. <laughs> we'll get into that later as well. But, Mike, we're talking about Craig Ackerman and how when basically shit hit the fan, the Titans... Went into full blown crisis mode naturally, but they've there felt like a sense of a lack of awareness, uh, or like a lack of preparation, preparedness, I guess, for when you have an injury and guys have to start t- doing things that they haven't done in since college. Uh, Nick Folk punting, Ryan Tannehill holding, uh, I don't know, uh, Morgan Cox throwing to. Uh, a punter wearing number six like that is yeah. <laughs> like it's things that guys have not been used to doing and they were seemed like it was that that was where my frustration personally led with craig ockerman after the game was like oh you guys you guys were not prepared for if shit hits the fan yeah and it, it, it's it's one of those things where, like, I
0: mean, I guess you don't go into a game expecting, you know, your punter to get injured right. because of a right. vicious hit, right? But uh I mean, it does happen. Like in and hamstrings happen. We saw Kern get hurt in a game, you know, what, a couple years ago. Uh um, yeah. so it's it's not like it's totally unheard of for this kind of thing to happen. And it is disappointing that they hadn't at least I mean, that's going to be one of those things like even if it's a couple reps every week or something like that, right? Can you not borrow you know, five minutes to get, you know, uh Tannehill a couple holds, you know, it, or just there's, it's not a lot of, it's not a big ass, but there's only one of those guys on the team, right? Like, I mean, you, you prepare one holder, you prepare, you know, one punter or whatever, but you've got, you've got backups everywhere else. It's, it's still a possibility that, you know, uh Morgan Cox sprains a finger, you know, or whatever. Yeah. He, yeah. Right. Right. the ball, Right. I don't know. It it seems like for a team that preaches next man up and, you know, versatility and having people ready for all these different situations in a game that it seems like a major oversight that they would not have had anything ready for this situation with Stonehouse.
1: On the Titans long list of failures this season, where does putting Ryan Stonehouse in a position to absolutely have his knee destroyed rank for you?
2: He's
1: he's the one guy. That Titans fans can hang their hat on like you're punting all, all you know all day any anyways this dude is the field position god
2: how, how
1: where, wait, where do wait, you, wait, hang, on, son, hang on
2: hang on we, we're getting some Titans takes from a uh, from a softer voice there yeah my son joining the show he so part of the
0: reason I was slow getting on here He he had an accident at school today so he was at home and napping and he just woke up from his nap
2: Okay. So are we, we all good? Are like all is, he, is he is he is he okay? Is he safe and, and healthy? Yeah, he's good. He's good. Okay. But he's uh yeah.
0: What what is he a t- is he a Titans fan? He is. Uh, unfortunately, I have uh, cursed him with that
2: uh, burden mm-hmm. for. for long. Is he is is he in a place where he could he could give us his best Titans take real quick?
0: Yeah, Dom. Do you want to have a, a take on the the Titans? Can you just say um, Andre Dillard is not very good at football? <laughs> Can you say that? No. Okay. All right. He, he knows it. Though. He's too he nice. knows
1: it. He wants to say it. He wants he's, to say he's it. too
0: He's too nice.
1: But, all right. but so, so Mike, where does, you know, putting Ryan Stonehouse in this terrible position rank for you in the list of Titans failures this year?
0: Uh, it's it's, I mean, it's pretty up there. I mean, to, to, you have like four or five, like really actually good players on this team. Uh, and one of them, unfortunately is your punter. Like if you're going <laughs> to pick a, a spot to be really, really good, I, I think punters probably like, next to last uh you know on that list but you know they are really good at punter and they managed to somehow still get him killed so uh,
2: well, that leads to my frustration also with Ackerman is not just the not being prepared but also the Colts block a punt for a touchdown and then like literally the very next punt they do the same thing like are you not seeing what what went wrong the first time fixing it for so it doesn't happen literally the very next time out in the field
0: exactly yeah i i do not understand how yeah you can't come off the sidelines and have a discussion with with your punt team of uh hey maybe this time let's try not to get absolutely <laughs> yeah, a, right 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 you know a, a free runner at our punter um it, it, yeah, it was bad. It was, it and was, it was, pretty,
2: a, it was an even cleaner, a cleaner block. I mean, heck it was technically ruled a fumble because he it was inter- so clean. I don't he think he in- even got it, to punt it. Yeah.
1: He almost yeah. intercepted
0: the snap, Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it was pretty unbelievable. I mean, it, it's definitely an indication of they were showing something on tape that the Colts clearly saw and picked up and knew that they could get a certain look, you know, and, and from the they Saints game. advantage of it but it that's part of the the you know Ackerman's job is to make sure that they are not so predictable on all of this stuff to where they can get uh you know destroyed by an observant team or a team that they play a lot and really knows their tendencies
2: and and then Ackerman is fired on Monday and it for me personally I went from a state of shock for about probably a minute Then to a a state of contentment, uh, knowing, okay, Ackerman is gone. But then I but then that that contentment quickly turned into frustration and anger in the sense of, you know, this being Mike Vrabel, the first time he has ever fired someone in season. I my my anger stemmed from the place of, oh, okay, so you do know how to cut ties with someone who is clearly not holding up their end of the job. Yeah. Brings me back to the seven game losing streak last year, where the offense was clearly not putting up points all season. Why not turning the reins over to Tim Kelly, who is now the offensive coordinator, who he clearly trusts enough to run the offense? Why did he not do that sooner? Maybe you could have won a game, gone one and six down the stretch, and got into the playoffs. That, like, it it was just frustrating that it feels like this is. Vrabel being like seeing the handwriting on the wall. I'm four and 15 in the last 19 games. I need to let someone be the scapegoat, take the blame for blood
1: sacrifice. Uh,
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I need to get the attention off of me for a little bit. So I'm going to make this move and try and buy myself a little bit of time. What what was your whole take on the firing?
0: Yeah, it it was kind of one of those things where like I I thought Ackerman, I mean, Ackerman's been under fire from this fan base for a long time. It's not like, you know, this is a recent thing with his job performances suddenly being scrutinized. So for them to suddenly fire him, I mean, I guess to the some extent, you know, hey, the the return teams aren't great at generating a big punt return. It isn't as, as fireable offense as hey, you got our punter killed twice. Um, and now he's actually injured and and we didn't have a holder ready like that was certainly like rose to the level of that guy can't come back to work tomorrow. Right. Like I, I definitely yeah, right. get that that's like to that level. Um, I think he had to do it. I don't think he had a choice. I, I, I think at that point the players, you know, the players know on stuff like that, that, you know, they're not prepared, you know, and it, for him to have done that, cause I do think like he's pretty protective of his coaches and for him to have done that, that tells me that like, this wasn't a deal where like the players screwed up a protection that they've been preaching all week and saying, Oh, well, you know, when they do this, you guys have to do have to have this check ready and everything. I think this is a indication that this was something they just were not prepared for and they got caught flat footed. Um, which, you yeah, know, it is a fireball offense. Cause I do think there's some things every now and then where it's like, yeah, that looks like bad coaching, but it might just be something that like the coaches have told the players all week that, Hey, right. you know, we, we've we got to have a plan for this. This is what we're going to do. And then they just don't execute it for whatever reason once the bullets are flying. But yeah, to me, I I think it's probably more likely that that didn't fall into that category. Uh, And that's why he has gone. But yeah, I mean, your point about Tim Kelly versus Downing, I, I think Vrabel very much believes in the idea that firing a coach isn't necessarily going to, help you be better in season because you know, all you're doing is changing. Like you're still, you're not going to put in a whole new system, right? You're right, just right. changing who is administering the system until the off season and you can make bigger changes and things like that. So I think he's a believer in that, but I think this just rose to such an egregious level that he, his hand was forced at this point.
1: Yeah. And it's the last thing he wants to do fire. One of his buddies in the middle of the season. Right. Yeah. I, I just, in. To me, the most interesting part about this discussion is was it actually Mike Vrabel who pulled the trigger here? Or did Amy Adams Strunk intervene? Ooh, did somebody else from up top come yeah. down and say, Mike, if he if he is on the sideline on Monday night against Miami, like you're gone with him? You know, it's because we yeah. saw, I, I believe it was Malarkey who kind of went down with the ship, wouldn't fire Rabisky, And because of that, Malarkey got chopped. But Mike Vrabel, it does. In in a frustrating way, it kind of feels like Mike Vrabel is going to get away with this because Ackerman has now been thrown to the wolves. I, I guess my question to you is: Do you think Amy had to step in at all here, or do you think Mike Vrabel was dead set on getting rid of him?
0: It's a good question. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that Vrabel probably has enough self awareness to know that. Ackerman coming back was just a non-starter in this case. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, like, I I don't know, part of the context with this whole thing is also the Brable situation with the Patriots and all the reports about that that's swirling out there, just that you know the Titans saying they they are going to keep Vrabel. They're all in with Vrabel, all of that stuff. So I I really do believe that they want him to be the coach next year. And to me, like if you want him to be the coach next year, you don't go to him with an ultimate ultimatum, you <laughs> yeah, know, in yeah, week yeah. fourteen and say, all right, you're about to get canned if you don't fire the special teams coach or whatever. So I m- my guess is that Vrabel this was a Vrabel call, and that Vrabel just knew that this was the last straw for Ockerman.
2: I want to pose a question. And it's a question that I've been grappling with probably for the last 48 hours. And it, this question is going to sound like it does, but I assure you it does not come from a place of malice because I legitimately want an answer to it. And it is, uh, it's a question that I, I honestly, I, I, I hope that you can help me find an answer to it but over the last 19 games it's it's the worst stretch of Titans football we have seen since Ken Wisenhunt and probably the second worst in franchise history i is there anything today as as we stand today with this team being 4 and 8 not going to the playoffs uh probably picking in top 10 maybe even top 5 is there anything good that mike vrabel does like is there? Is it does he do anything good please i know and i'm like i'm legitimately because i want an answer i i want to know i'm not trying to be a dick just to be a dick i've like i the things he he used to do good he's no longer doing so like i what is it that i'm missing
0: here i i still think he is a good i think he's a good head coach from the standpoint of situational game, game awareness. You know, they, we we go back to the stuff that he did against the Patriots in the playoffs, stuff like that. You know, he's always been at the leading edge of that kind of thing. Mm. He hasn't had as much chance to use it, frankly, just because they're getting blown out half the time uh, now, but I, I just, I continue to look at it and I don't think Mike Vrabel forgot how to coach over the last year and a half. I think the roster has deteriorated to a point that it is no longer possible to create a scheme that will fix all of this right like I I think at some point when you have two tackles who cannot block what do you do on offense to make that work because like you help and help and help and yeah your wide receivers aren't getting open because you're running three against seven and like I think they're just so boxed in from a personnel personnel standpoint that I just don't think that there's answers on the table for them. And
2: and I get that. I look, I, I completely understand that the, the roster is depleted. Okay. I don't understand, though, why the defense is struggling the way it has. I mean, that's supposed to be his baby. That's his thing. I, and I made the comp- comparison on this podcast last week, too. It's very similar to what's going on here in Chicago, where it's you bring in a guy like Eberflus and yeah, the offense is struggling. That's, you know, that's one thing, but when the defense is, or at least was as bad, he's, he's to his credit, he's had a chance to fix it in Chicago. Like that's, that's supposed to be your thing. That's why you were brought in your defensive minded head coach. When the defensive struggles, the way it has this season, it's, it's head scratching. And I'm like, that's the thing where I'm like, I mean, the roster on the defense is better than the roster on the offense. So what's the excuse there? I I, I don't know. I mean, like, Kendall Ful- or Christian Fulton, it seems like he's in a contract year, is regressing. And you're seeing guys that are, I don't know, just not being there. The pass rush is not really as strong as what we, I think, assumed it should be. Um, it's just, I, I I don't know. I, I, that, And that's kind of why, where that question comes from for me.
0: Yeah. It, to me, to me, when Vrabel was hired, he was never hired because he was like, a, I guess, a defensive mastermind. This wasn't like hiring Vic Fangio. Or, right. Right. Or something like that. I kind of viewed him as more of a like he's the leader of the organization. He is able to develop good relationships with the players, uh, you know, inspire them. I think he is very, uh, you know technically good from a coaching standpoint as far as like getting guys to understand fundamentals and, and things like that. Um, and, and trying to to coach them, coach guys up basically from a positional standpoint, but I don't think he was brought in for like a specific defensive system or like the fact that he's like some, you know, incredible, you know, defensive coordinator. Cause yeah, he wasn't right. a great defensive coordinator. He wasn't great in Houston. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, right. So I, I think he's just a different, I, you know, it's, it's, one of those things that like I, I get it's hard to like quantify in a way like what he brings to the table in that case but I, I just think it's he is in a leadership position you know overall coaching position because I I was always a proponent of when the Titans were playing good on offense I still believe that's now that they're playing bad on offense that Rabel should be credited in you know criticized for the offense just as much as you should the defense. Cause I don't view him as a defensive head coach. I view him as just yeah. a head coach. I like, I see him as a CEO type. I think he really does let Bowen run the defense. I think he really does let his coordinator run the offense. Um, and I, I just think he oversees all of it and has a say in all of it. So I, to me, like, when the offense is good, I think he deserves credit for that. I mean, offense is bad, I think he deserves criticism for that. And, and the same on defense, I think it's equal because I, yeah, I really just don't view him as a defensive guy.
2: I, I look, and I, I, want, I want an answer. You know, like I want to because I know he's he's going to be here next year. You know, like it's, yeah. it, it's we we have Mike Vrabel, like it or not. I mean, like he's going to be here, and I I want to hang my hat on something to like for optimism for hope, but. I I take a step back and I look at the big picture and he, this will be now he'll have missed the playoffs in three of his six seasons. That's only half the time he's been here. He will, he he is, I mean, the four and 15, that's hard to overlook, but again, just as you said, the roster is very depleted. It's a bad team. Uh, you, I can't expect much, but it's also, he's also has the one of the most historic collapses in NFL history under his watch, uh, from last season. So I, it's like the, when I look at the resume, the overall resume, I'm like, man, it's like, are we living, are we hanging our hats on that one magical run he had in year two, 2019 to the AFC title game and what he did to Belichick, which I think gained him a lot of clout? Are we hanging, are we putting too much stock into that? I don't know. I just, I feel like the, with each passing game, he's not showing me anything on the contrary to that, but I guess I just have to be patient. And wait for them to, well, I guess, reload. But I, I think I don't think that that's
0: totally fair to hold it up as like this one magical season because it, like, yes, they had the magical run right. in twenty nineteen, but then they followed it up with eleven and five and twelve and five, you know, in the one seed and all that. And look, they were like a couple bad Tannehill passes away from potentially making a run to the Super Bowl that year. I, I really feel like if they'd gotten past Cincinnati, they had a real chance to win and potentially win the whole thing that, that year in 2021, that's only, you know, that's a year and a half ago. Um, So I I don't know. I I just think we've seen Vrabel have a lot of success with a roster that was like good, but not elite. Like, I mean, you still had Ryan Tenno as your quarterback and he turned that team into a one seed, right? Like, so to me, that buys him enough benefit of of the doubt that I, yes, it has been horrible. And this has been a terrible, terrible year. And it's hard to say that anyone's doing a good job in that whole building, much less, you know, the guy that's in charge of the team. Right. 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 Get that. But I think he's earned enough benefit of the doubt that I'm willing to sit here and say, okay, let's give him another year. Because look, I think most of the roster stuff, you know, and, and what is being reported out there right now, or rumored, depending on how you want to look at things, so Rabel pretty much is is running the show from the standpoint of like player acquisition, and if you look at this draft class from last year, I everyone's pretty happy with the draft class, yeah. right? Stronks he's right. playing well. Levis has yeah. been better than I think most people expected. Uh, Spears looks great. Uh, even Wiley and yeah. Duncan are playing and, and contributing. So I think the give him one more year of can you put together some more of that with the roster rebuild and get you know use that hundred million dollars and free agent bucks to go just get passable starters you know you're not gonna find superstars in free agency but go get like guys who can actually play like (laughs) yeah yeah right (laughs) right that are not you know Andre Dillard you know that are not uh you know Jalen Duncan which you know look he's a young guy he needs to develop and all that but he gave up nine pressures against the Colts and the Colts aren't exactly rolling out you know Nick Bosa and Chase Young um so you know Go get some guys that can give you league average play <laughs> at a lot of positions. Uh, you know, hopefully add a superstar with a top five, top ten pick, and then see what happens next year with year two, Will Levis. Because I also think there's an element to I don't know that you want to blow everything up or with Will Levis right now. Like, you know, it I think it. Right. We've right. All talked about, you know, how that affected Marcus Mariota. Sure. Sure. Um, other young quarterbacks who have gone through the same thing here in Tennessee and, and elsewhere. Um, I don't know that blowing it up is the best thing for a, a young quarterback's development. So I think, better for better or worse, I would like to see this coaching staff back mostly intact with, you know, a few changes for sure. Um, but, mostly bring them back and see if they can develop this this young group with a better roster around them.
1: All right Mike, we got about 5 minutes left. I want to ask you this. I'm glad we took it to the personnel conversation here because you mentioned all that money they have to spend and a lot of that will go to fixing some of the holes they have on this roster. But with this team that they currently have, are there anybody are there are, is there anybody out there that you are looking at to kind of hope and, you know, down the stretch to step up and look like a guy who could be a part of next year's team, you know, and maybe help the Titans save some money in a certain spot. Maybe it's Elijah Molden. Maybe it's a linebacker. Maybe it's one of the guys on the offensive line like Dylan Radins. Is there anybody out there that you're keeping an eye on for the last six games of this season? Or I guess it'd be five games of this season um, to kind of help them save a little money and pour it into the areas that really need it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's not a ton on defense, to be honest with you. I, and look, I I tweeted this out just a little while ago about Harold Landry. Um, Landry's coming on, and and there, he's going to be here regardless, just because of his contract and the way it is. Um, but he's a guy that I think you you're going to be happy with as a starter next year. He, he's not a superstar. Look, and I I get that people get critical of him because he's making a lot of money now. Um, but you know, we all know he's not a Nick Bosa or a Miles Garrett or whatever, but he is a very good pass rusher. I think he's now up to like six straight games with multiple pressures. He's, you know, among the top like 20 in the league in pressures over the last six weeks, he's looking a lot more like the guy that we saw in 2021 who had what? 12 sacks, 12 and a half sacks, whatever it was. He's a good, good football player, good edge player. So I think he's a guy that you feel pretty good about, you know, obviously Simmons. Um, but then, you know, you've got McCreary on the back end, I, I want to see if Amani Hooker can can play well down the stretch because I think he's a guy that, like, they could move on from after the year's over if they wanted to from a contract standpoint. Um, but then you got to go find two starting safeties mm-hmm. if you do that, right? So, like, I I feel like – and maybe, like you said, Molden. Maybe Molden can prove that he can be a starting safety. So, like, those are a few of the guys on defense that I think are, are worth keeping an eye on. But then on offense, it's like everybody, right? Like, you'd love to see if Jalen Duncan can, like, show signs that even if he can't you don't want to necessarily give him a starting job can he be like a guy that is a swing tackle or or can compete with like Dylan Radins and Nicholas petit Frere for some job on the offensive line because I think all those guys probably need to be put in spots where like they're not given starting jobs they they need to be in a spot where like they can compete for multiple spots if they win it great but if not those guys just need to be backups because um, that's all they've really played like at the NFL level to this point. So um, obviously Skaranski is going to be a starter. I think Aaron Brewer's super interesting uh, to watch down the stretch. He continues to be a phenomenal run blocker, like at the center position. He does so much for them that helps them in that side of the game. But like, if he could just become mediocre in pass protection, you would have a guy that I feel like is a top 10 center uh, moving forward, and is still pretty young, and you could probably lock him up pretty cheap still. So, Brewers, interesting. Love to see like Traylon bergs Cal Phillips, chicka Aconquo, like all the 2022 draft class. Basically, can you guys get going a little bit down the stretch? Show some life. I mean, Conquo seems like the lights come on the past couple weeks a little bit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, of course, the rookie class, like, you know, all those guys that will be here and be core members of the 2024 team, because I really think it is like it's like the last two draft classes are like all you can really hang your hat on on offense at this point. (laughs) Besides, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who will be back uh, because we aren't even sure Henry will be back, you know, so we'll we'll see where that goes. But, um, yeah, it's those last two draft classes on offense.
2: Mike, we got just over 60 seconds. Uh, this is the first time we've had you on since the move to Texas. Uh, one, I hope it I hope the move went smoothly and went well. Uh, but two, I got I have to ask, did you move to Texas so you could be closer to the source? Because I know the cartel, you're closer, to <laughs> closer to the border there in Texas. So is that is that w- what fueled the move? part of it part of it and
0: and you know that and just being close to winning football uh you know it, it was uh <laughs> i knew i knew things were getting bad in nashville and and i had to get i had to get close to winning football that was enjoyable for me I, so this is okay Austin, we've got, i did not uh, we, i did
2: not want we've that we've got at some all.
0: great things going on
2: mike actually we're you back. know what i hope i hope the longhorn nation longhorn nation <laughs> we're back
0: there are Two flags on the field! It's a miracle! Tennessee has pulled a miracle!
1: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z Sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odd specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books. BetMGM and games since remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only rewards issued is non withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Redline at
2: 800-889-9789. Shout out to Mike Herndon. Uh, a pro by every sense of the word and i don't just mean in his drug pushing i mean (laughs) the fact that that guy was able to conduct an entire interview with us and chat and a discussion and a conversation and a back and forth like to defend mike vrabel uh not that again i was not trying to be malicious uh i was literally i'm he actually did a good job of explaining and giving me reasons to you know kind of Be okay, I guess, after my search for uh, what Braybill does well, I do think he can get it back. Um, So I, I thank you, Mike, for that. But also just the fact that Mike was able to do all of that with little hellions running around like Jack did that or did that not kind of give us a glimpse into what this podcast will be when my two little ones are a little bit older and home from school sick or on snow days or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it it did, it, it absolutely did. That was actually right when I was asking my question, I got thrown off because I didn't know there was a kid in the background. But that's exactly how this podcast is going to look in like two years. Oh, just oh my gosh. just give it some time. That's exactly what this podcast is going to look like. Yeah, but, uh, Mike. Before I, I thought oh, Mike ahead. did a great job talking about um, you know you know Vrabel and Ackerman, and that's kind of the main conversation we wanted to have this week. But Austin, you know. It, starting to look ahead. Like, obviously, nobody wants this Miami game to be on Monday Night Football. Like, Titans fans, hey,
2: do, you, e- do, you, e- do you want this? ESPN doesn't want this game to be on Monday Night Football. That's why well, they, they, a, they, they, they paired a, it with a doubleheader. Like, that's what, yeah. like, and I tweeted this out. Every Titans Monday Night game is always part of a doubleheader. Have you noticed that? Like, like, this is not a joke. The last three Monday Night Football games, Buffalo last season, part of a doubleheader. Uh, against Denver, I, two or three seasons ago to start this, to start the year, that was a doubleheader. Um, have the Titans been able to go on Monday night football without having like giving America just another viewing option? I get it. Look, you would be good though.
1: That's good. I don't want to have America's <laughs> full attention right now.
2: That's true. That's it. This good does point. not
1: represent the Titans. This does not well, represent this, this franchise.
2: The I okay behind offensive line, what would you say is the next biggest point of contention for the Tennessee Titans? What position behind the offensive line? Yeah, corner, but cornerback, cornerback. Oh, and they just happen to be going up against Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, who's on pace for an over 2,000 yard season, who's getting talked about in the MVP race, which I am excited for, but also very annoyed for in the sense it's kind of like the Craig Ackerman effect at wide receiver. I'm excited that okay, finally. Someone is getting a nod at, at for MVP votes and talk that isn't a quarterback, but I'm also annoyed in the sense that Derrick Henry should have been the 2020 MVP. Well, like he should have been MVP in 2020. He did things that no other running back has done. Sorry, I'm not gonna get on that soapbox again. It's it, w- there's we have we have way too many off-season sodes to fill between now and next season because as we deemed at the beginning of this sode. The season is done for the Titans. And so this is, in my opinion, an offseason. So number one.
1: But you were right about Tyree Killen and Jalen Waddell. And to make matters even worse, Christian Fulton, you know, let me know if you've heard this before, has injured his hamstring. Um, did that against I, the Colts this week. Look, look, is that a is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing?
2: Well, th- that's look. And I'm glad you it's brought a, ba- that it's up, a bad thing. It's a bad. It's a bad thing. thing. It, it's a bad thing because Christian Fulton for as bad as he's been this year, he has shown flashes of old Christian Fulton. He was,
1: yeah, he, he hasn't been terrible lately. Like, like, yeah, a, it was at the start of the season. He had about a four mm-hmm. or five week stretch where he he couldn't, he couldn't cover anybody. And and, and the only he times been, he did, he he, he would
2: get flagged for it. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, he still, he I, still does take too many penalties,
2: but uh losing him is going to be terrible this week. Austin. I, well, 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 hang on real quick before you move on the, you know, people say, oh, I'm pissed at Ryan Tannehill for losing that game, which, I mean, if you do say that, you're, for lack of a better term, a complete moron. Um, if you're going to put a blame on him. Honestly, though, Christian Fulton, and I'm not going to blame him for getting injured. Injuries happen. That's I'm not going to get mad at Derrick Henry for getting injured and leaving the game early. But Christian Fulton leaving that game, you could argue, was the reason the Titans lost. Because on the very next play, after he left, was Michael Pittman in the back? It was Michael Pittman, wasn't? It? Yeah, uh, it was. yeah, Pittman in the back of the end zone for the game-winning score. And uh, who was out there? Was it Trey Avery? Was uh, was on the coverage on that final play? That's not a guy with as much experience and or, uh, I mean, yeah. in my opinion, uh, talent as Christian Fulton. So,
1: no, well, you're right about that. And Sean Murphy Bunting obviously deserves a little blame for getting absolutely exposed by Alec Pierce, who is sadly was weird. a, a that, Titans like, killer out of nowhere.
2: That, that was Sean Murphy Bunting is probably been the best cornerback on this team all season. And so McCreary's been
1: solid, but he's played in the slot.
2: Yeah, sorry, sorry. McCreary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McCreary has been has been better. But Sean Murphy Bunting has been very reliable all year. And so when to see him get burnt like that, that was just and I not look. Do I think the play before it had a had a role in the fact that he did get burnt? Because look, if you get flagged on after on a play where Danico Autry records a sack, you get flagged for holding on a I agree with his sentiment after the game where it was ticky tack and he does not think it should have been flagged. I don't think it should have been flagged either, but I think that probably was in the back of his mind when Pierce ran by him on the very next down and was like, probably like, well, I don't want to get flagged again. And by the time the ball was in the air, it was too late and it was a dime by Gardner Minshew who just so happens to put up the greatest games ever. Of his career against the Tennessee Titans, do you remember Week Two of like the twenty nineteen season? I think it was where Gardner Minshew nearly beat the Titans in a year where the Jaguars went one and fifteen. Do you remember that? Yeah, I I can't wait to get him out of the division. Gardner Minshew, I love Gardner Minshew, and I hate the fact that he's a freaking Jaguar again. Like this is well, he's a Colt. Or I mean, sorry, a a freaking Colt. He's back in the division again. Um, I, I, it, I, uh, I, uh, Here,
1: moving, moving on from just the game, because I feel like it's disgusting, uh, to talk about Okay. So losing is not the worst thing at this point. We, we can embrace that, right?
2: Oh, don't, we're, don't, we're do finally, this. it's not the worst don't thing. Do this. Hear me
1: out. Hear me out. Just hear me out. Uh. Aside from four key players getting injured in that game in Christian Fulton, Jeffrey Simmons, Ryan Stonehouse, and Josh Wiley. That, if the Titans were to lose every game like that, you know, where the offense shows a lot of stuff, it's fun to watch. It's for the first time in a million years, it feels like the Titans offense clicked. If the Titans lost every game like that down the stretch,
2: would you be, would you be upset? I don't know that I would be all that upset. That that was the, look, we want to go college football playoff committee here. That was the best loss. Of the season. That was the yeah, only true. loss where it was like, I felt good. And they showed flashes. They showed flashes of old school Titans. Kind of like we were talking about with Mike. Like there were points where it was like, this team has no business playing this well against a Colts team that is much better than them. And yet here they are. It felt very vrabel Old school vrabel I'll say. Because in the last 19 games, like Vrabel has not been Vrabel, or at least his team has not been a Vrabel team. No, but like offense.
1: The offense and defense both, you know, showed signs. Well, mostly the offense, but the defense is probably going to get thrown under the fire. Although it's not their fault, the Titans handed Indianapolis 14 free points. I mean, the pick and, six on the two point yeah. conversion, that kept them in the game right there. That almost won them the game. Had you made and, the extra point.
2: And to their credit, what was the reason they lost the first game against the Colts? giving up a million yards to Zach Moss. Yeah, what did Zach Moss do on Sunday? Nothing. It, him,
1: him and Derek Henry, it was like freaky Friday. They essentially yeah. flipped spots. Zach yeah. Moss couldn't get anything going, and Derek Henry had it going all day up right. until he got hurt in the fourth quarter. But, you know, he softened that defense. And then Tajay Spears, like a warm knife through butter, was able to kind of just cut through it a little bit, pick up five, six, seven every play. It felt like yeah. for the first time all season. The Titans were setting themselves up for success on second down. How many second and twos, second and ones, second and threes were they looking at? I I mean, more often than not, it was second and short, which is how this offense should be working.
2: Um, Tajay looked great uh, being casted and thrusted into a role that he has not seen all season being in every down back he looked great um he's I so thought, quick so yeah, i was re- yeah i really liked him um i i thought he he was great moves I, th- I think he's he's doing better there was there was a point in the season where he was trying to rely on his speed to get around guys um and it 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 was not working um and i think he doing much better of just you know Planning a foot and sticking it and hitting hitting holes when they were open and not not relying on I'm faster than everyone on this field um and I was really I was really pleased to see that sorry not to get all running back nerdy on you but uh but that no, but is I, fun I, to
1: watch him play is it not it, I mean that's that's one of the best parts about watching the Titans right now is watching yes. Spears with the ball in his hands
2: they he had he had one run where he did he actually did show off his speed and had a run around the edge where it was it should have been a two yard carry and he busted it off for like 12 and it was mm-hmm. it got a first down. I was like, OK, all right. Hell yeah. This is this is a this is a good weapon to have on your team. I'm hoping is no ACL knees hold up, but um, it was great. But Jack, to answer your question. I don't I I, I don't have it in my heart ever, and I will never root for the Titans to lose. I don't want them to lose. I want them to win out if they could, because I'm then the that, way, would, but... that would give me, because to me, to answer your question, would I like to see the Titans lose the rest of the games the way they lost on Sunday? Whereas they're, they're showing fight, they're in it till the very end. Personally, I would like to see them win every game on the way out. But if they are going to lose every game on the way out, which let's be honest, they probably are. Yes. That's what I want to see. I want to see the fight. I don't want to see the Cleveland Browns, 27 to three blowout losses where the defense doesn't show up. The offense can't do anything. I want hope for next season. Essentially, this is preseason for 2024. These are preseason games. You're getting guys getting reps. And you're saying, what can we hang our hat on going into an off season where you got a hundred million dollars coming off the books? You've got uh, you've got uh, a, a second draft class with Rand Carthon, who did pretty well in year one. Now, I think we all have to take that with a massive grain of salt, because if you remember, John Robinson was also a very good drafter in his first couple of drafts. He did very well. I'm. Now I'm like okay can Rand keep up that success on draft night and can he make some great free agent signings with more money available to him this offseason I think the free agent signings he made last offseason were great and they've we we've gone over that uh, in length on this podcast before I I, I don't distantly- think they were as
1: great Ooh I don't well, you know, the Andre Dillard thing is just such a black eye. like Sean Murphy bunting. And I understand uh, yeah, the problem. Andre the Dillard is bad.
2: I see. I think Sean Murphy bunting has been great. Um Al- Al Shire's been good. i Al- Shire's been great.
1: He ha- has left a lot of meat on the bone this year. Austin. He's not see, been I'm- as good as I thought he'd be.
2: But well, see, well, what were you expecting? Because I, to me, I think Arden Key was, I think he's been a fine addition to this defensive line.
1: I well, you need somebody. He hadn't even really been any better than Bud Dupree was with this team. I want somebody who's going to make an
2: Isn't isn't that what they were looking for? Like that, like a guy who. Arden Key has four sacks on the season. Yeah, I need more. Okay, don't get greedy. Don't look. Don't. That's not getting
1: greedy. It's four sacks. I I mean, that's not a lot at all. There's there's going to be cornerbacks that. But but look at three sacks.
2: Look at Jeff. Look at Jeff. I mean, look, I think you can argue that the defensive line as a whole has not been what we've hoped for. But no. Arden Key only having four sacks, that doesn't necessarily mean he hasn't opened things up for uh, Harold Landry, for, uh, you know, Jeff Simmons, for, I guess I just wanted a little Nico Autry.
1: I think it's fair to be underwhelmed with Arden Key.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you half of that. I'll give you. But Austin, I, you're, I, I think you're to, being, you're being hard on key huh, folks.
1: Um, <laughs> Listen, no, here's my last point I want to make because I know we're running out of time. What sucks the most about this season? Obviously the Titans have underperformed, have gotten, you know, have had to deal with the same injury issues. Coachings looked bad. There's been a lot that has gone wrong, but this has been a season where the AFC playoff picture has been as open as I can remember it. You know, because with three yeah. wild card spots, the teams that hold those wild card and- spots are Pittsburgh on a backup quarterback right now. Kenny Pickett's down. Cleveland, Joe Flacco is somehow back in the NFL throwing passes. And then Indianapolis, a team that you thought you were absolutely better than heading into this season. Yeah. Behind them, Houston's looked really good. Denver with Russell Wilson. Cincinnati, Jake Browning. The Bills and Chargers have underachieved. Uh, like, if you had found a way to beat the Colts this week, if you had found a way to beat the saints in week one, you're at six wins and you're
2: absolutely in this thing. One yeah, game. back. know. I know. I know. I know. I know. And that's and what's if you, the most frustrating. The and Titans honestly, out on a great opportunity. And if you wanted to put it under more of a microscope, if you score on, let's say 50% of the red zone trips that you didn't score on, this team is probably at six wins, at least. Yeah, at least. Absolutely. And like that. that's like where it's like, you know, they talk about it being a game of inches. You know, I pissed away every, every, uh, everyone who's ever loved me. All right. I've blown away all my money, you know, out the Al Pacino piece with interest speech. Okay. It, it's so true in the grand scheme of things where it boils down to, if you just score a couple more times in the red zone, you're probably having a much better standing in the season. We're feeling a lot better about the year, and that's just not the case. And it's it's very very frustrating. Uh, you mentioned the Colts. That's a team that also has about ninety million coming off of the books uh, in free agency this year, so they're not going away anytime soon. And it's it, it's just in the the it, it is frustrating because you're right it is an afc picture this year that appears appears to be wide open it, it honestly it feels like when the titans were the one seed a couple years ago where they they had the one seed with a 12 and 5 record that it feels very similar this year where everyone's getting hurt every quarterback that's not named patrick mahomes is hurt and uh and josh allen i guess too but it is that to me is is really frustrating and jack I got a quick take real quick. I know we got to get out of here, but I got a real quick take on quarterbacks. This sport has altered so much over the last 15 years to be safer for quarterbacks. The NFL realized very early on, quarterbacks drive this league. It's always been that way. There's the remember that w- growing up for me, there was the NFL quarterback club, which they need to bring that back. I honestly, I missed that. And or the quarterback challenges that they used to air on ESPN two, uh, in the off season, when they'd go to, uh, like Hawaii and compete in these like throwing competitions. So it was always so much fun. They realized like, Oh, once Tom Brady went down and Matt castle had to finish out his season, they, they realized, we can't afford for superstar quarterbacks to miss games because it affects ratings. It affects so much about their business of the sport. So they've implemented all these rules to where quarterbacks, you can't touch them. You can't even look at them with a scowl on your face or else it will be a 15 yard penalty. Hell Patrick Mahomes got hit in inbounds on, uh, on Sunday night and it was a 15 yard penalty. so, Why is it that we're seeing an increase of injuries amongst quarterbacks this season? Jack, Uh, You hang on. You ready for this take? The NFL has made quarterbacks a bunch of pussies.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Quarterbacks aren't as tough and as durable as they used to be. In my day, you would have guys like Neil O'Donnell with more hair on his chest than any of these pansies, pansy quarterbacks these days. All right, <laughs> Derek, while Derek Carr's applying eyeliner on the sidelines, John Elway was applying more eye black on the sidelines. Okay, these guys were tough, and they would play on surfaces like Three Rivers Stadium, which was not just AstroTurf; it was sandpaper on cement blocks. That's what it was—was was the playing surface and they would go out and they would get destroyed there's literally montages you can go look up on youtube or you if you still have the means to get them on vhs tape of entire 30 minute videos of just quarterbacks getting destroyed you don't see that anymore today's game you don't have it they've changed the rules it's a it's a flag all those are penalties to me what the 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 nfl going so soft on quarterbacks now, if they get touched or rolled up on, they're done for the season, all right? And that, to me, it's the NFL's own doing. I'm blaming the NFL for the number of quarterback injuries, for going too soft on quarterbacks and not making them tough, all right? In my day, guys used to grind coffee with nails and screws and nuts and bolts that they would get from the from Ace Hardware. And nowadays, they can't even they can't even stand up on their own two legs as they walk down the tunnel to get their ankles checked out. Shout out Trevor Lawrence. Also, how funny is it? The Jacksonville Jaguars after leading the AFC South by a wide margin, now losing their quarterback for the season. Huh? I wonder what that to a high ankle sprain. No, not losing him to the season, but losing him to a high ankle sprain. Hey, I wonder that what that's
1: like. That wasn't the funniest part of that game, but the Jaguars
2: got a taste of, what the Titans had to go through. They got Evan McPherson did overtime, Austin. They did. Yeah. That was a, the Jaguars got a little taste of Titans medicine last night. And let me just tell you, Jacksonville, if you continue down this path, it is, it is bleak. It is not looking good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <It> CJ <laughs> Bethard, though. CJ Bethard, You got to trust CJ Bethard, the BGA, BJ wildcat. Uh, one of the finest wildcats out there. Um, anybody that went to B J, you, you trust with the football in their hands. CJ Bethard is capable. Don't know how much action
2: he'll get, but yeah, the Jaguars you, are in a tricky position. If, if you go back to our first episode with Mike Keith, you'll remember Jack threw me a touchdown in the end zone uh, to win. The I've game. done it. So, I mean, look—you always trust a BGA grad with a football in their hand. That's what they say. That's right. God, God bless and go Wildcats! Right.
1: Mike Keith has called one more of my touchdown passes than he has for Mal- Malik Willis. So.
2: That is the exactly. saddest thing is. we could leave on. But you know what? It's fitting for this soad because uh, this is a sad sode. It is a very sad sode. We're uh, Titans fans. Look, we're all in it together, though. All right. Let's hopefully the Titans show us something in these last five weeks of game tape that we get before heading into what will be. A very long offseason. Jack, I feel like we just got out of the offseason, honestly. And now here we are looking at it on December 5th. Uh, as this podcast drops, December 6th, 2023. The offseason just starts sooner and sooner for us every year. And it's sad.
1: Um, yeah, this was kind of the first taste of it, a little chaotic pod today with everything that went on. And it's just at this point, it's hard to polish the same turd, Austin. It, it admittedly, it is it is difficult to polish the same turd. Titans keep laying them though. So I'm sure we'll have more opportunities, but yeah, it, it does. It's weird for the season to end this early because it's the start of December, but the Titans have zero hope moving forward um, for this season.
2: We are a couple of sad boys. That is for sure. But you know how you can make us happier leaving us a review on this podcast. Uh, give us five and a half star or give us five star rating. And in the uh, comment section of your rating, make sure you Point out that four and a half of these stars are going to the Titan Up Idiots, and only point five of these stars are going to Buck since we all do share a podcast feed with him. All right. So we are going to head out of here and uh, make sure you follow the podcast at Titan Up Pod on Twitter, at Titan Up Podcast on Instagram. Um follow Jack on Twitter at Jack A Gentry. You can follow myself on Twitter at Austin Huff. Be sad with us. You know, like that. Look, I, I cope through it. I got accused of being a Colts fan on Twitter. This week, because I made a joke about how, what are the Titans going to do without their punter? That's like their favorite play. Uh, Someone read that and thought I was a Colts fan and clapped back at me. Um, And I had to be like, dude, I'm not a Colts fan. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I I just assumed you were. And I was like, no, making jokes is just how I cope. Okay. (laughs) So if I'm very overly sarcastic on my Twitter feed, it's just because that's, that's how I cope that's how I get through these you dark laugh times. to keep from crying yes honestly you laugh to keep from crying is exactly what I do Jack you have anything for the road
1: I've got one thing and it's the worst take on Titans Twitter this week it comes from Eric Nordhoff is it, it worse reads, than my 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 quarterback take uh it's on par it... <laughs> <laughs> he says Stonehouse needs to speed up his punting motion IMO unfortunate but was bound to happen indy coaches found a weakness stonehouse is the goat but needs to be quicker to get the punt off in 2024 this is the dumbest tweet i've seen this week because ryan stonehouse never even went into his punting motion when he got hurt he was tackled before he could
2: start his punting motion eric nordhoff you win the dunce of the week i love eric nordhoff going off on arguably the best punter in the nfl (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Eric Nordoff. Look, you know what? No, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against you. I'm gonna go against the grain here. I agree with Eric Nordoff. What? Eric Nordoff knows more about Eric Nordoff has forgotten more about punting than Ryan Stonehouse knows. Okay.
0: From a punter family.
2: Who are you gonna believe? A guy whose nickname is Stoner or Eric Nordoff on Twitter? Because for me, look. You can crowdsource a lot of good information and intel on the internet if you look closely enough. And for me, I go no further than Eric Nordoff's Twitter account when I need my punting intel. So, Eric Nordoff, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Now, while Stonehouse is going through his uh, long process to get back onto a, the field through rehab, Maybe he too can read that and learn a little something of how to prevent this in the future. A man lost his job because your punting motion was too slow. Ryan Stonehouse.
1: Is that, is that the type of sarcasm that, that we're going to be seeing from your Twitter account? Come at Austin
2: Hoff on Twitter at <laughs> Austin Huff. You can also find some at Jack age entry. All right. We're getting out of here. I love you guys so much. Thanks for following this stupid podcast. And that follows this stupid, stupider team. Anyway, all right, we're getting out of here. (laughs) With all that said, until next week's preseason game, tighten up. Tighten up.
0: They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting all the way. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.